we're in week three of Now Faith, and um, each week kind of had had a, uh, a sub-theme for what faith is and, and, and what we're going to be talking about. And so this week is no different. Uh, the first week we talked about Now Faith. That is the word for us this year that we need to lean into Now Faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? And so we, and we're going to talk about that scripture in a minute, but we need to lean into that. That God has now faith for us. Week two, we talked about crazy faith, and what does that look like? And if you've missed either of those weeks, you can go back to Spotify, Apple Music, our website, Facebook, and you can uh, re-listen to any one of those messages. Today, I want to talk about a practical aspect of faith, which is daily faith. How, how do we have that, that daily faith, that aspect that where we're growing every day, getting closer to Jesus, and, and the Bible says that we, uh, we need to strengthen our faith. Actually, in my devotions, uh, when Paul is writing to Timothy in the book of Timothy, he actually tells him that, strengthen your faith. And so, you know, I said it last week that, that faith is a muscle, and if you don't exercise it, if you don't challenge it, if you don't grow it, then it will, the, the, the faith that you had when you first got saved, it's just going to sit there, and it's going to be one, one size, in order to grow it, you have to put into aspects of daily faith. And so uh, let's look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. It is our scripture for uh, this, this set. So, hey, Dad, is the effect still on? I don't know. Okay. I just, I'm just getting an a echo from me being up here. Anyways, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. So faith, now faith, is hopes into reality, foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Faith is the foundation of everything that we do, everything that we have, everything that we believe as Christians. Last week, I gave you a couple of definitions. Uh, we are going to give them to you again because they are working definitions of faith. So, so we talked about crazy faith and kind of moving forward, this kind of in, in, enjoyable idea of what crazy and faith and crazy faith looks like. So crazy is not mentally sound, marked by thought or action that lacks reason. Insane, impractical, erratic, being out of the ordinary or unusual. And some of you are already thinking about people that fit the bill. Um, and if you don't, if you can't think of anybody, you just might be them. Just saying. It's a, hey, listen, we're all a little crazy, right? I mean, if we can't admit that, that we're all just a tad bit crazy, we're all a little unusual, a little out there, erratic at times, right? So uh, now, our working uh, definition of faith that has been for the last uh, few weeks is faith is trusting in something you cannot explicitly prove. I've loved that definition of faith because um, it absolutely speaks to what the idea of faith is, which is I'm going to believe wholeheartedly in something, but if, if I have to prove it, it can't be faith. And I, you know, uh, I go back to my junior year or sophomore year, one of those two. And, and it is, you know, last week I kind of mentioned if, if you, you know, have faith in the shoe, well, I can prove the shoe. The reason why I said that was because my sophomore or junior year in high school, uh, I was sitting next to somebody in biology class. And uh, we were talking about stuff, and, and I was super, like, pumped in my faith, right? I was like a little go-getter Christian teenage guy. And, uh, and so we were talking about something, and somehow faith got brought up, and, and he was trying to mock my faith. And he said, well, yeah, well, you know what? I got faith in my shoes. 
And I said, yeah, but see, you can see your shoes. I can, you can prove your shoes. So really, what kind of faith do you have? What, and I told him, I said, what if I took your shoes and I, I threw them in the trash and you couldn't get them back anymore? What, what faith would you have in those shoes anymore? Because they would be gone and they would be trash and they would be thrown away. I said, but you can't throw away my God. You can't, you can't just toss my faith. And, and, and so the, the faith has, it has to be, uh, there has to be a, a aspect of it that you can't explicitly prove that you have to believe that it is what it is. So when you take those two definitions and you combine them together, you get crazy faith, okay? Crazy faith means thoughts and actions that lack reason, but trusting fully in what you cannot explicitly prove. Why do we believe in healing? I can't, I, can't, I can't manifest it. I can't make it happen, but I believe that God is still a healer. How can we believe that, that marriages can be restored after bad things have happened? Why? Because I've seen it happen before, and I know that my God is a miracle-making, way-making God. And so if I believe that he's done it before, then i got to believe that he's going to continue to do it. I love this quote by Malia Jackson. She's not part of the Jackson family. She's a gospel singer, okay? She's a singer, though. Uh, Malia Jackson, a, a gospel singer, said this, Faith and prayer are the vitamins of the soul. Man cannot live in health without them. Now, I know some of you are religious about your vitamins and health. I won't point out anybody in this room, but I know one in particular. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, just religious, about, about, you know, you, you can't get up without, you know, having that little daily drug of, of, of vitamin, that placebo pill. I mean, that vitamin. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to get razzed so bad. Uh, but listen, we, we do. Why? Because we know that there's something that d- it does for our body. That with these combined vitamins, whether it's a, a daily one a day or a Flintstone vitamin, I don't care. But it does something for us, right? Do they even make those anymore, Flintstone vitamins? I, you know, because, okay, I just, I don't know. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, but, but you take these, you know, these vitamins because, because you want your body to, to pull all of the resources and all the, the vitamins and all the health that it can to, to outlast the flu or whatever, or all these different things that we outlast and we, we make our body stronger. Some of you are more religious about those kind of things than if we gave our own spirit that kind of attention. Like, what if we gave our own spiritual attention the same attention that our feeble body that one day is going to pass away needs? Like, we need, to, we need you know, right now, everybody, I, listen, I can't find a large jug of orange juice to save my flipping life. Seriously. Like, all I want is a large jug of orange juice because I'm drinking a lot of it right now, and I look like I'm a hoarder with orange juice buying, like, two and three at a time because I have to buy the small little containers, okay? And it's more expensive, okay? So for a frugal, cheap person like me, I don't like buying the small one. I want the bigger one that says that I'm saving, like, two cents per sip or whatever. You know, that's who I want. That's what I want. But I can't find that that bottle. Why? Because everybody's, like, thinking, like, vitamin C, it's going to get me through this flu vid sick whatever allergy season. We, we don't even know what we have anymore. We're just walking around sneezing and running. Like that's, but everybody, oh, I gotta grab my vitamins, gotta grab my oranges. What if we gave our spirit that kind of attention? What if we gave our spirit, what, spiritually we are, without that attention we are sick and we are dying and we need some Jesus. And I love that. Faith and prayer are the vitamins of the soul. So I've got a couple of thoughts for you. 
this morning as we look at what daily faith is, some practical tools and tips and things that we can do. And listen, none of these are going to be new. I've probably preached them a thousand times, but I'm going to I'm going to preach them another thousand times because I believe the reputation is key to us unlocking our hearts and our souls to find what God has. So the first thought is this, daily faith knows God's voice. And I love this because I think it's one of the biggest questions. Well, what does God's voice sound like? What, 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 is, what does his voice sound like? Well, I'll tell you what God's voice sounds like to me. It sounds like my voice. Now, that sounds very egotistical, um, so don't take it that way, okay? But, uh, like, I've never had God just, like, open up the heavens and be like, Scott, I'm speaking to you. Like, I've never had, like, if I'd probably wet myself, okay? I'm just, like, going to be real. Like, if the heavens opened up and a bright light shone and it was like, Scott, I am your father. You know, like, <laughs> no, I'm not ready. Um, you know what I mean? I wouldn't know what to do. But I can tell you that throughout the course of my spiritual walk, man, I know that I know that I know that I've heard the voice of God, but it's, it sounds like me because when I'm praying, the voice in my head is my voice. But I can know that it's God because I can prove it via the, you know, putting it against the word of God, putting it against what I'm praying about, putting it against what I'm walking through, the Holy Spirit, that little Jiminy Cricket inside of each and every one of us, he's going to let you know. Hey, look, this is from, the, hey, this is from God. You're going to get a random thought, and you're going to be like, where the heck did that come from? You're going to be like, I know where that came from, God. Now listen, God did not tell you to eat five pounds of cake. That's not the voice of God. Okay, that, that, just no, okay? God is not going to tell you to do anything that's bad for you, that's bad for other people. It is going to line up with the word of God, but we have to know his voice. Look at John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. Now, now you're like, okay, now we got fighting words. Now you're calling me sheep. I know. I, I didn't call you that. Jesus called us that, okay? He called us that. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Jesus is saying that you are going to, when, when you are close to him, you are going to recognize when his voice speaks to you. The problem that we, that we have is that we're like, well, what is it God? Is it, I don't know. Is because typically when we are in those states of, of, of life where we are not sure if it's God, it's probably because our spiritual walk isn't as close as we want it to be to God. And so now we're questioning, is it God? Is it me? Is it indigestion? Holy Spirit, what are we doing? But when we're close to him, we don't like, it's like, oh, hey, that was God. Like, listen, I could have just been on an emotional hype watching a movie when God said, when, when, I, when I felt, you need to move to Camden. Like, that would be a bad judgment call. And not because Camden is bad, but, like, you don't pick up and move based off of just an emotional, like, moment. Like, oh, I watched a movie, now I got to go move. Like, Jesus, I got to make, I got to be something better than what I am. No, it's because I've been praying. I was praying, and I was fasting, and I was saying, God, I need, I need your yes to be yes, because a no or a maybe is a no in this, in this instance. This is what me and Stephanie were praying when we were deciding on whether or not we should move to Camden and start the church, is, God, we're not going to take maybe. Like, maybe is out of, the, out of the books. Like, if we get a maybe, we're not moving. My wife will not move unless it is a yes. <laughs> like, and we go see The Greatest Showman. And I've, show, I've shared this story before. We went and saw The Greatest Showman. And, and, you know, there's nothing overly spiritual about that movie. But, man, I'm telling you, we were sitting in that movie. And we're sitting there. And we didn't talk about it during the movie. We didn't even talk about it after the movie. 
I was in my garage like, God, you messed me up through a movie. Like, seriously, like, this is how, this is, this is going to be our story. I went to the movie theater, and God told me to move to Camden. This is how we know it's God. I'm sitting there working in my garage, and Stephanie comes out and goes, so we need to talk about something. Like, oh, Lord, here we go. She goes, listen, during that movie, I'm like, look, I know. You, don't even, you could stop right there. It's confirmation. We're good. We're moving to Camden. Okay. Awesome. Let's cry about it, and let's move on. And we did. But if it was just an emotional moment off of a movie, we would have gotten here and been like, oh, my God, what did we do? It's because we are close to his voice. Don't make decisions that are, well, you know what? That's wrong because there is some maybes in faith. There are. There are some maybes in faith. But when you need to hear God's voice, when you, when you know that you know, you're going to know. But it's only because you're connected to him and you're close to him. It's, it's like that mom voice, right? You, five moms could scream in the crowd, but you'll be able to pick yours out. There's no doubt about it. Or for me, it was, it was you know, my mom's voice, but also the dad whistle. You know, we, we, we'd be out all afternoon playing, running around, you know, streetlights come on, and you'd hear, and it'd be, I mean, it would echo through, like, you know, eternity, it felt like. And you were, like, on a countdown at that point. <laughs> My dad better see my face in like two minutes or less or else my butt is free. You know what I mean? It's like dominoes. And, and so, but I knew like you heard that whistle. It was nobody else's dad. That's my dad's whistle. There was no question. There was no like, hey, was that your dad? Was that your dad? No, that was my dad. Like I got to go by. Like we know. Why? Because we know their voice. We've spent time with them. They've trained us to know that whistle, to know that voice, to know that command. And it's no different. God has, is wanting to train us and mold us and shape us through his word and through prayer and through fasting and, and through spending time with him to know his voice. Consistent time with God trains our heart and soul to know God's voice in our life. Prayer and daily devotion is the key to unlocking the Holy Spirit in your life and knowing the voice of God. And I'm not saying it's, it's amazing every single time that you, listen, there's times where I, I pray myself to sleep because <laughs> I'm tired of my own prayers, right? And I'm just tired, and, and, and I, I'll say this. The best thing not to do is, is don't lay down and pray, like unless God tells you, lay down and pray because you're probably going to pr- uh, fall asleep. You know, but I'll sit down, I'll walk around, I'll, I'll do whatever. Sometimes I, I'll sit, just sit up in bed just so I know I'm awake and just pray. And just spend time and consistently spend time with God. I've, I've recognized during these uh, last 14 days of prayer and fasting, I have missed tremendously these deep moments with God that I felt like I didn't get last year. And, and maybe, you know, there, there's a thousand excuses that I could give, there was, but, but I missed it. Like my soul was, was hungry for it. I love Psalms 1, 1 through 3. It says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. God's promise is, is that when you stay close to him, when you plug into the source of life, that river of life that God is, he promises that your life will be full of fruit in every season. He promises that, that you, will, you will never die and that you'll, that you'll prosper in all that you do. And that doesn't mean perfection. That doesn't mean that life is going to be okay at all the time. It does mean that when the storms come, your tree branch and your tree's roots are going to be so deep down inside the, uh, the, 
the mud and the dirt and all of that, that when the storms come, you're not going to be knocked down. You're not going to be gasping for water and source of life because you're right next to it instead of those that are, that are hanging out and, 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 and there's a whole, yes, yes, we should be hanging out with sinners. But what they're saying is stand around with sinners and join in with mockers. In other words, don't go and live one way outside of church and do everything that everybody else does and speak how everybody else speaks and laugh at everything everybody else laughs at and then come into church and think that God is going to be like, oh, let me pour out all of heaven's blessings on you. He goes, no, 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 you keep, your roots are, are, are trying to dig in two different worlds and I need you to pick one. Daily faith, know God's voice. See, Psalms 1, 1 through 3 talks about the benefits of being close to God. Because you'll be close to him, you'll bear fruit, and you'll prosper. So daily faith knows God's voice, but daily faith also worships God. Um, I believe wholeheartedly in, in like, whether you love country, hip-hop, rock, southern rock, old rock, new rock, blues rock, I, there's like a bajillion different versions of rock, or any other variation of genre of music, I feel like as a Christian, worship should be uh, in, in that, that circle of like of music. For every like you can't say like I love Jesus, but I hate worship music. I, I just feel like that. It, like I, I wouldn't even know how to contemplate that sentence, because it is the only music that really musically will will uh, point you to the very heart of God every single time. Now there may be other songs and other music that does that for you, but there's something about worship music that that just pulls our hearts and our minds and settles us in a place where we focus in on Jesus. Don't believe me, look at Psalm 63, 4. David writes this, daily I will worship you passionately and with all of my heart. Now that does not like sound like a guy who's sitting idle just listening to some, he goes, daily I will worship you passionately and with all my heart. <laughs> now the second part is a little funny to me, um, because of what my squirrels in my brain mentally picture, right? It says, my arms will wave to you like banners of praise. Now, I'm going to tell you what I envision. Exactly. I envision the guy, the inflatable at the car dealership. Like, David, what were you doing? <laughs> my arms will wave to you like banners. But listen, can I tell you, I make, I make fun of it a little bit, but, but I love passionate, enthusiastic worship. And if I didn't have a guitar in my hand, my hands would probably be raised 90% of the time. Because I learned that, that it's not just, uh, my, my job isn't just to sing a song to him. Oh, God, I'm going to sing to you. My, my, my job in, in worship, my, my heart in worship, my purpose in worship is to put all of me into that moment to have an experience and a moment with Jesus that he would be glorified. And that's why David writes that. Daily I will worship you passionately and with all of my heart. My arms will wave to you like banners of praise because all of me is joining in on the worship of my king. Because I promise you when we get to heaven, you're not going to be able to stand around and do this. And stand in the back and hopefully nobody sees you. Like you're, like, you're going to get to heaven and you're gonna, your whole world's going to be turned upside down. Everybody's going to, listen, I believe that worship up there is going to be like nothing we've ever seen down here. I really do. And I'm not saying it's going to be crazy or out of whack or chaotic. I have no clue what worship, but I do know this, is that throughout the Bible, it talks about how worship isn't just uh, a song. It is what, what God does in us in those moments 
But it's also how we, worship is the only thing about Christianity that it's not about us, it's about him. It's, it's us giving to him. It's us saying, God, we love you. We, we honor you. We worship you. It's amazing, though, that as a loving father, during those moments, he always pours back into us. I cannot tell you enough how worship will change your daily life. Worship puts what's worth back into perspective. What is, what, is it, what is valuable in your life? Because at the end of the day, just like these feeble bodies, the things that we own, the, the things that we work hard to, to collect, and, and, and the money in the bank, and the clothes, and the cars, and all that, they're all like, even if you get buried in it, it's just going to become a pile of rust buried in the ground. But our souls will stay connected to Jesus. And the worship that we've created here, the worship heart that we have here is only going to be 10 times, 1,000 times better in heaven. And, and I'll say it this way. Um, worship is, is more than just music. Uh, Romans 12.1, and, and it, I'll actually talk about that in a minute, that Romans 12.1 actually says that it is our, it is, there's, a, there's an actual act of worship that's outside of the church and outside of song and outside of lifting our hands or, or whatever that looks like to you, that there is a lifestyle of worship, and what does that look like? So, so daily faith has to have worship with God. Daily faith also has to gather together. And, 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 and I believe this with everything inside of me. I think it's, it's, it's what we are lacking in the church, not necessarily ours, because I think we do a good job of, of, of gathering people with life groups and all of these things. Uh, but Acts 2.46 says this, daily, daily they met together. And, and listen, before they, well, Acts, they met at homes and they, they ate food together. That's not what this scripture says. It says daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes. They went to church and then they went to each other's houses every day. Now, don't you think that would kind of change your perspective, your heart, and your focus of your life if you went to church every single day for a little bit? I think it would. I mean, you may probably maybe get tired of seeing our faces. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but it says daily they went to church together, and then they left the church house, and they went to somebody else's house, and they said, let's barbecue or grill, whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever you call it. Or let's, you know, put a pizza in or whatever. whatever you know, it just is what it is. They said, let's gather together and let's eat. Could you, I mean, we rush out, like, and, and listen, I'm not, you can hang out for as long as you want. I don't care. Cowboys game starts at f- three something or four something. I don't know. But, but it, 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 would be, it would be like this. It would be going, hey, you know what? I know we just had church, but let's go have lunch. Now, for right now, you don't want to go to lunch with me, I promise you, because all I can eat is, you know, fruits, vegetables, and nuts. Um, <laughs> in a week, let's go have lunch, right? Uh, but, but it's that idea of we've had time with Jesus. We've, we've grown and gathered, and, and, and we've, we've grown spiritually together. Now, let's go grow one-on-one. Let's go grow, grow as a group. Let's go have some fun. Let's, let's maybe, you know, go talk Jesus outside of this, or let's just go watch a football game together or a movie together or just hang out. They gathered together daily. And you know what's crazy is, and so it says they shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They, they shared with one another. They cooked for one another. They had fun with one another. But what I love about this is in the book of Acts over and over again, every time it says they gathered, it also says they grew. Every time they gathered, they grew. 
They gathered, and multiple people came to church. They gathered. Why? Because when people see that church isn't just about Sunday morning, and they see it as, oh, my goodness, you, your life has completely changed. Yeah, it's because I put myself in an area where I'm around people that make me better, that challenge me, that encourage me, that, that strengthen my spirit. So when I go and I, and I live it out in front of everybody, then all of a sudden, man, I just I have this encouragement that I know it's not just me, but it's a team. Daily, together, there is strength in numbers, and the enemy knows this. I believe that's why he loves us to stay isolated and alone in our thoughts and trying to fight battles by ourselves. Which, by the way, when we try to fight battles by ourselves, here's what I'm going to guarantee you. You will never win. You will never win. You will fight them, and you will fight them, and you will fight them, and you will lose, and you'll lose. And you may have a moment of win, but if you continually try to fight them by yourself and don't try to gather people to have your back, and I'm not saying you go get a whole army of people, but even just one or two people to know what you're walking through and to pray with you and to encourage you, man, it makes the world of difference. Hearing how God is moving in other places encourages and inspires our faith for what God wants to do in our own corner of the world. Anybody ever heard that testimony where it says, man, some, I, I went into this place and, and I shared the gospel and, and somebody got saved or somebody got healed. and It just it, it does something inside of you. Well, if it could happen for them, why can't it happen for us? I always, I always love, um, we always had opportunity in our old church. Uh, our senior pastor was the vice president of our organization. By that, we had a bunch of amazing people that would come to our church that we would have probably never had the capability of, like, running in their circles. Uh, missionaries from uh, Africa, India, not just missionaries, but people who ran multiple or oversaw multiple churches. Our friend in Africa uh, oversees, I think, 300 churches. Our friend in India oversees 600 churches and uh, uh, runs a seminary where he uh, where he, in turn, uh, pours into and teaches uh, him and his staff, uh, North Indians and, and, and uh, I say Indians, like from the country India, uh, to go and they go and they start churches all over India. Uh, we've got uh, a friend of mine, uh, I guess uh, an acquaintance uh, of ours through that. Uh, he's in Dallas. He's a Messianic Jew. Uh, he's a, uh, I guess you could call him a rabbi. And, and, and he, he runs his church, they, they, him and his wife, uh, they are Messianic Jews, so they believe in Jesus, but they, they, they do a lot of history and, and traditions through the, the Jewish ways. And then what's, what's, if that's not enough, he's also a detective with the Dallas Police Department. He's, a, he's, he's been a volunteer fire department, and he has six master's degrees, six, master, six doctorate degrees. I do not want to. Something like that. He's got a ridiculous amount of degrees, okay? And right now, he's going to get one and in England. Like, I, I don't, like, the man has forgotten more than I can ever remember. Like, that's how smart the man. But then, like, you sit down with him, and he's all like, hey, let's go ride a Harley. Like, it's just, like, he is just the coolest down-to-earth dude. Like, you would never imagine he was that stinking smart and that awesome. And you listen to these guys. And, and can I tell you, just sitting in the room with them, the growth that happens just listening to them talk. And that's why when you gather together, there's something about growing together. There's something about learning about life. Man, you may walk through something that I can learn from. The Bible speaks over and over again to pray with each other, to confide in one another, to build one another, to love one another. And there is a reason because it strengthens and shapes our faith. This is why life group is so important to us. Because we get together 
And we just get to share a little bit of life together, an hour or two uh, during the week. And we're going to do our, our sign-ups again in February and start them back up in March for the spring. But maybe you want to lead a life group. Don't be afraid to lead a life It is not that hard. It really isn't. Some of them can be fun. We've done uh, disc golf life groups. We've done golf life groups. We've done uh, walking life groups where they just go and walk the trace and talk. We've done study life groups. We just want to gather with people that, and share and encourage and build up. And daily faith gathers together. Daily faith also lives sacrificially. Now, this is a little bit harder and a little bit deeper, right? And so uh, you got Luke 9, 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, this is Jesus speaking to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And then you partner that with Romans 12.1. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? So what is our proper response to God's mercies in our life? To surrender yourself to God, be to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Your genuine expression of worship is a sacrificial life. So Luke 9 says, in order to follow him, you have to pick up your cross daily. That sounds, listen, it, it makes sense to us. Could you imagine Jesus gathering with his disciples, teaching them, hey, I'm going to teach you a little something, something. Okay, cool, Jesus, teach us. And he's all like, listen, to truly follow me, you got to pick up your cross daily. This threw them for a loop. Because the only thing that they knew of the cross was that was where the worst of the worst went. It was their electric chair. It would be like somebody coming and saying, listen, if you want to live your best life, you have to get in the electric chair every morning and hit the switch. What are you talking about? Jesus, you're crazy. Like, this is what Jesus was telling his disciples, and it would all make sense. It would all come full circle when he's hanging on the cross, and they're, and they're looking at him going, He sacrificed for me. And what he said was, every day I need to make sure that I wake up with a sacrificial heart that says, it's not about me. It's not about my feelings or my wants or if I'm having a good day or a bad day. And we all have bad days and we all have days where we want to take back. But, but Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to follow me, then every morning wake up and say, God, it's not about me, so not my will, but your be done. God, open up doors for me to give opportunity to speak your name and to speak your goodness and to share a story or to share a prayer time. God, I want to live for you. And so that means I need to take up my cross and I'll take up my cross and I'll sacrifice for you to live the life you have for me. And then in Romans 12, Paul says that's our genuine expression of worship, to live sacred sacrificial sacrificial living for him. Jesus never said living for God would be easy, but it is the most rewarding thing you could ever do. I love uh, this statement. Faith doesn't make things easy. It makes them possible. 
Because here's the thing. We think faith, like, oh, yeah, you know, God, I'm going to be that tree planted by the water. I'm never going to have any issues. No, it doesn't say the storms won't come. It just says when the storms come, it's going to make it more possible. Faith makes it possible to survive the storms and to thrive through the storms. When you are connected to Jesus, you will, when, when you have daily faith that is rooted in his goodness and rooted in his word and rooted in prayer and rooted in his spirit, you will be able to make it out alive. And not only alive, but thrive. Faith doesn't make it easy, but it makes it possible. You think that it was easy for Paul to walk through all that he walked through, being in chains, going to jail, being whipped, being shipwrecked, being stoned. It didn't make it easy, but it made it possible. I'll put it this way. It can't be trying him out. I'll try Jesus. No. You can't, listen, you can't date Jesus and expect marriage benefits. Well, Jesus, I think I like you, but I'm not sure, so how about you show me something really cool before we go all the way? No, no, no. you got to marry Jesus before you get the benefits of, of, of seeing the goodness and the, and the miracles. you got to be all in. You gotta, I, I'm willing to, to take that step of faith so that I can see all that God has for me. God wants all of you. When we dig in and have now faith that is daily and sustainable, it changes so much about us in an amazing way. It's a discipline and a sacrifice. But I promise you, the disciplines and the sacrifices are the rewards are so much sweeter. And, and, I've, and I've made this equation before, and whether it's, I'll, I'll say it like this, whether it's working out, or learning an instrument or anything, the, the discipline is tough. Oh, I got to get up and go play the guitar today so I, I can get my fingers, you know, right and smooth and, and, and fluid and all that. And it may sound ugly. I mean, I remember the first time I picked up a guitar and I didn't, you know, like this acoustic guitar in particular is hard because um, I play heavy strings. And right, so, so the first time like you play a guitar, I don't know. Oh, and that's right. I got a mic holder. Ha ha. So, so the first time, like, right when you play a guitar, it's going to sound super ugly. Like, you know, you're just like, you're like, I don't know, what, what song am I going to try to play with that? Like, you're not pressing hard enough, and it's like, you're like, oh, that sounds horrible. And, and most people, they'll stop right there. Ah, oh, I can't play. How many times have you practiced? Oh, one time. I should be able to start a band. No. Listen, you, you've got you've to put calluses on your fingers. You, you've got you've to you've learn that your fingers have to have memory, muscle memory of how hard to press the strings and, and where to put them. When I first started learning an instrument, the first instrument I ever learned was bass. And, and I jumped up on the worship team like a month later. Thank God bass is like one of the easier ones to learn, I ain't going to lie. Um, harder to master, easier to learn. But my fingers were so hurt so hurt. I remember one Sunday morning I was playing and I, and I had a blister on my, 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 I think it was my middle finger. And I went and I peeled it that morning and we had service that night and I put a Band-Aid on it and, and halfway through the service my Band-Aid came off and that raw skin hitting that string every time I had to push down on it. And I was like, ah, but you can't, you can't look that way. You gotta, I'm, I love Jesus. Right? And, and, and I, was, I was in pain, but I couldn't stop. 
because I had a part to play in leading people to worship. And there's times in your life where you're going to be like, man, this is tough. Man, this hurts. God, the wound, it's too open. It's too fresh. And he's going to go, listen, if you just keep pressing in and if you just keep pushing forward, I promise you, not only are you going to heal, but you're going to become stronger out of this. You can do this. It may hurt, but the discipline is worth the reward. Don't know what just happened there. In the name of Jesus. The last thing is that I highly doubt it's the battery, so we're hoping that it is, though. All right, daily faith has an action to it. James 2, 14 through 19 in the Passion Translation says this, my dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? Now I want you to, before I finish reading this, this is probably one of the most um, argued about set of scriptures in the whole Bible. Because they actually didn't want to include the book of James in the original uh, uh, section of the Bible because they thought that it was too contradictory to what the rest of the Bible said. But I'm going to tie it all together. So he says, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then, faith that doesn't involve action is phony. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works and I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. You can believe all that you want. There is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him, yet they are unchanged. They remain demons. What a powerful set of scriptures. And here's why it's so controversial. is because they think, they're looking at James and they're going, so you're saying that we're saved by works. That if I do enough, I can be saved. No. What he's saying is that the salvation that is free through faith has to come out somewhere. And so you can't sit there and say that I have faith if, you're, if you, there's no action or lifestyle behind it. And that's what we see a lot of times in church nowadays is that a lot of people go, I love Jesus, but their lifestyle doesn't line up with a, a Jesus-changed lifestyle. I, I love Jesus, but I don't want to give up the things that I love that I know are against his word. I love Jesus, but I still want to talk a certain way. I love Jesus, but I still want to, but, you know, and that's where I get really, like, I rubbed, I don't watch um, award shows anymore because I couldn't stand people getting up on there and being like, I just want to thank Jesus, my Lord and Savior, for this garbage music that I produced. Like, no, please do not attach Jesus' name to whatever you just, you know, got an award for. You know, because it's never the guy that's singing, like, country gospel. It's always the guy that's singing, like, you know, it's Eminem or, you know, uh, you know uh, Jay-Z or uh, R. Kelly. Um, <laughs> and listen, it, honestly, he would get up there and say stuff like that. Or Usher, you know. 
you know, he'd sing a song like, I want you, I want you bad. You know, I got it, I got it bad. And I'm like, I want to thank Jesus for that. Like, no, Jesus wants nothing about what you got bad. Nothing. Okay? Do not give him that kind of disdainment. And what James is saying is this, is that if you have faith, there's an action that rolls along with it. And I love the example that he gives. He says, say somebody in the church comes to you and says, I'm hungry and I'm naked. I've got no clothes. All I've got is these rags. And you go, go in peace. Be warm and filled. Now go away. But you didn't give them anything. Your faith is phony. Well, but I don't make a lot, pastors. It doesn't cost anything to go find some clothes in your closet that you could put some, or, or, or to cook somebody a meal. It doesn't cost much. It doesn't cost much to put some feet to your faith. And I'm not saying that every person you come across, you have to do something for, but you'll know, going back to that first line, daily faith knows the voice of God. Well, you'll know when God says, do something for them. Take care of them. And so James is saying, listen, your faith will have an action behind it. How you speak, how you talk, how you walk, how you live, how you present yourself, it will be changed. I love that last line, but even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him. Yet they're unchanged. They're still demons. So anybody that says, well, yeah, I believe in God. Well, demons believe in God. They're still demons. I think there's a, Matthew says it this way. He says, there's a lot of people that are going to get to heaven and go, Lord, Lord, did I not? And he goes, I don't know you. Hopefully this doesn't mess up any of your thought process. But Matthew goes as far to, to write what Jesus said was that, that many of you will get up there and say, did I not cast out demons in your name? And he goes, I will say, I did not even know you. You can work miracles and not be connected to the very heart of God because it's not about the action. It's not about how cool the action is. The action is spurned by the love that is in you. I love, and so therefore I do. I, I think demonic people, I think people that, that, that know nothing about Jesus can speak the name of Jesus, and Jesus can still work miracles. But there's something about when the people of God love him so deeply that it causes their actions to change. Faith begins with full trust in God for salvation, but faith unproved is not faith at all. Faith in its purest form produces action. Faith should stir us to act. It should drive us to make a difference. Faith is an active word. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go therefore. <laughs> it's kind of an active word, okay? If Blake gets a, a command from, his, uh, from the National Guard and says, go, he doesn't get to go, well, you know, this week's really not a good week for me. You know, I'm just thinking maybe next week. My, where are we going? You know, we're going to, like, Jamaica, like, Bahamas. Where are we going? No, we're going to Iraq. Okay. Oh, well, you know, I'm kind of busy this week. No, he signed up that when they say go, he says, let's go. Jesus says, we're going to make a difference in this world. We're going to make a difference in Camden. I'm gonna, we're going to make a difference in your family. We're going to forever change generations because you're going to go, therefore, into all the world. Daily faith produces daring faith. We're going to talk about that next week. I want to end with this quote from Billy Graham. I think I have it up here. No? I lie. Didn't type it in. 
Sorry. This quote from Billy Graham says this, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things, but rather a legacy of character and faith. And we work so hard to set our kids up. Talking colleges with Isabella scares me to death. It does. Like, I'm like, ah. She's pulling out these colleges, and she's like, it's, like, it's only like $35,000 a year. I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. Listen. I could, I, could, I could have millions of dollars in the bank and I could set them up for a great future, but if I don't pass on Jesus to them, I've messed them up. If I haven't handed them down a, a, a lifestyle of faith that, that says, man, my dad was crazy, but it always worked out because he trusted Jesus. I want the best for my kids, but I do believe that sometimes we think that what, what is best for them is more stuff, more things, more money. And God is saying, no, it's more faith. It's, it's a legacy of character. It's a legacy of faith. It's a legacy that passes down this ability to change the world. That's what I want for us. That daily faith. And daily faith set, sets in with the small things. Praying, reading, spending some time in worship, getting around some people. Coming to church. Man, if we could just build our daily faith muscle, then I guarantee you we're going to see miracles happen. We're going to see God's hand move. Right now we're praying for, praying for people that are dealing with the sickness, whether it's COVID or the flu or whatever, we're praying for them, that they would recover and that they would be able to walk through that. We got family members meeting with other family members because you know they have to they ha- they have to walk through some really tough moments. We got people in our own church that are that are dealing with some really you know tough medical decisions and things that they're walking through. And and our job is to gather around them and to pray for them and to encourage them and build them up. And some of you you're walking through uh, tough times of anxiety and depression and and your job's tough and maybe you're not making enough money to to pay the bills. And we're listen. We all have something that we need Jesus to take over, but he wants to take over it all. And it starts with daily faith. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I pray right now. I believe that if we went through one by one, we could each have something that we, God, I need you to strengthen this. I need you to heal this. I need you to do this. God, I need you to make a way. I need a miracle. I need rest. I need purpose. God, you know these, these hearts, you, you know these, uh, these things that are stirring in us, and I pray, Jesus, right now that you would meet those needs, but God, I pray that you would meet them in a way that draws us closer to you. God, draw daily faith, draw that faith muscle in, that we would strengthen it to know your voice, to be able to, to sit and to hear your voice and the will and the, and the call that you have on our lives, to make a difference every single day. God, speak to us. Build us up in your word. Build us up in prayer time. God, there would be that discipline where, where, we, where we know that we need to, to lean in and we need to practice and we need to, we need to walk through some hard times. God, help us to worship daily, to, to spend some time with you daily, just, just singing your praises and just spending time with you, knowing that you are a good father. God, I pray, Jesus, that you would do what only you can do. Make a way. Be a miracle worker. 
And God, I pray that we would have action to our faith. Step out and believe in faith that you are going to do something. Open doors of opportunity to speak of your goodness, to speak of your name. God, meet the needs of your people. Encourage, equip, and challenge and change us, Father. We bless you. In your name we pray. Amen. 